Wait a minute. Marv Wolfman developed beast machines? What? Yes. What? You were the chosen one. <laughs> we were counting on you. We were all rooting for you, Marv. Hey there, Internet. I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And this is the Gem Jam, where we do an episode-by-episode recap of the 1980s cartoon Gem and the Holograms, because it is truly outrageous and it ostensibly takes place in New York this episode. But we are doing episode 16 today, Broadway Magic, written by Marv Wolfman, of all people. Marv Wolfman uh, is most commonly known for developing the new Dean Titans. He's also one of the minds behind uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. He is a well-respected comics creator who, because well-respected comics creators aren't paid very well, also did a lot of work in cartoons. So we start our episode in a pan across what is ostensibly New York because there's something that looks a little like the Chrysler building, but there's, I, I, I mean, it's a bunch of random buildings. They basically just handed the artist a, uh, a vague picture of New York and they didn't realize it was supposed to be New York. Or something. I mean, we zero in on the office of Bob Merritt, producer. He's got it painted on the windows like a real old tiny guy. And then we meet Bob Merritt. And we also meet his his assistant who looks exactly like Jerrica, but with glasses. He's got a toupee that his assistant keeps pushing back onto his head. Yeah, there's a lot of slapstick in this part of the episode. I mean, it's not unwelcome, but it's a bit of a weird change of pace. And he is apparently ruined by this three-act turkey with intermissions that he has produced. What a description. And he realizes that something's missing from this Broadway production. He didn't think to have any music. There's an actual line where he says, all along I've been doing a musical without music. How? In 1986, the Phantom of the Opera was starting to run in London, okay? Les Mis was on Broadway in 1987. We are starting to get into the era of gigantic, big-budget musicals that would continue well into the 90s. This is the era of Andrew Lloyd Webber. Past the point of no return. No, we are just going to get into Love Never Dies. I'm going to get into Love Never Dies and how ridiculous. Ridiculous it is. We are not going to do this today, Mackenzie. Bob Merritt is apparently wonderfully behind the times here because we have we have reached the era in Broadway musicals of the overproduced, overwrought Andrew Lloyd Webber musical. I mean, Cats is due to start any any minute now. But no, he forgot to put music in his Broadway musical. <laughs> By God, Bob Merritt. In realizing this, there's this weird little slapstick bit with like a couple of window cleaners and one of them almost falling to their deaths. But it turns out, haha, he was only one story up. Meanwhile, at a beach. We've got Rio standing over there with his friend, just kind of going on a long rant. I, I guess he's his friend. I've never seen him before. We will never see him again. He's just kind of sitting there listening to Rio. And he's like, sometimes it's like we're so close and sometimes we're strangers. I wonder if she's hiding something from me. Yeah, because the hot dog guy, well, while Jerrica and the holograms are playing volleyball, the, the hot dog guy is like, you still got it bad for Jerrica, Rio? And it's like, aren't you dating? Haven't you been dating forever? You guys are like Cory and Topanga. You've been dating since you were like 10. Does Rio actually know this hot dog guy or does the, the hot dog guy knows him? Is he like the only other person besides Jerrica that he's actually got a real human connection with? Well, I mean, he doesn't anymore. After he sees a newspaper, he vaults over the little railing, kicks away this hot dog guy's like collection of like eight hot dogs and five drinks, spills it all and then just completely ignores him. As he runs over onto the beach saying we're going to be Broadway stars. 
And hot dog guy's just sitting there with his arms akimbo, and he's like, really? Really, Rio? He looks kind of resigned to it. I get the feeling this is not the first time this happened. Okay, so you know those situations where you have that friend, and then suddenly they get a love interest, and suddenly they're just completely off your radar, but occasionally you still hang out with them, and then they get a phone call, and they leave you forever? And, and it just keeps happening, and so you're like, well... I don't like that this is happening, but I'm resigned to this fate. That's that's this hot dog guy situation here. And it's been happening since he was 11. Yeah. Poor hot dog guy. Meanwhile, in a gym, Eric Raymond is in a sweatsuit, and that's really the most important thing here. It really is the most important thing here. And he's animated in this episode with those little devil horns in his hair. Also, he's got some like weird jerks of animation in this episode that delight me. Eric's got the same paper that Rio just ran away screaming with. And he says, this is our ticket to superstardom. And as he says this, he puts his hands on his hips and thrusts his hips forward. That's what stardom is. Except then Stormer is like the first person to actually make a another observation that actually is important, like she did in China with the earrings. I don't actually know Jem's name. Does, does anybody know her name? Like, I never heard of her before she joined the holograms. Does this seem weird to anyone else? And they're like, oh. <gasps> Uh, I need to have a song about this right now! Who is she anyway? It's a misfit song. Who is she anyway? The only highlight of this video, really, for me, was that the holograms apparently have a tape titled Outrasos. What? I get the feeling it was supposed to say outrageous, but what it actually says on the tape cover is O-U-T-R-A-C-E-O-S. I've always been kind of a fan of this song. I love the fact that it is all plausible deniability for the Misfits. It's so something the Misfits would do. A song that's blatantly about how much they hate Jem and how much of a jerk they think Jem is. But, you know, if you directly confront them, they're like, no, it's like it's a song about how, like, a guy I like is interested in someone else and I don't understand it. And at the end of the video, we've got the exact same gag that you used in Ask a Brace of Tally with the masks. Yeah. Oh, my God. Ah, it's a nightmare. They want to find out who Jem is, so they take off her mask and they take off her face. Except she's got another face on there and they take that off and there's another face. And after the music video, with like no recovery whatsoever, Eric Raymond just says, I've just thought of something that'll keep Jem out of our hair. Eric just sort of ignores the fact that a music video just happened. It's still not clear if these things actually do or not. Let's be honest here. If they did happen... They would happen regularly enough and include things like guitar motorcycles. The Eric is just like, whatever, this one involved Pizzazz kind of having a mental breakdown as she tried to figure out who Jem was. Who cares? Moving on. So back to Eric's time and space traveling TARDIS office. Eric has like a whole bunch of uh, photographers and camera people there and he's going to make an announcement. And he, he offers $100,000 in 80s money. $217,735.40. To anyone who exposes Jem. This is basically the who is Batman bit from the Dark Knight, only less murderous, but only a little bit less. Apparently this is broadcasting live. So it switches around to a bunch of different people gathered around televisions. And there's this big like in-store display of a bunch of TVs. And every single TV is tuned to Eric Raymond, except one that this little kid is like pressed his face up against that's showing like a kaiju movie. That kid knows what's going on. He's going to be a Jaeger pilot. Eric does this little like Uncle Sam, I want you to find out a glam rocker's name for money. And so when the uh, holograms finally arrive in New York at a quote heliport, it's like at the top of a building that they later say is an airport. I don't know what's going on there, but a bunch of reporters swarm them. And one of them is asking Jem if she's a spy, which I guess there's worse covers. 
So the holograms and Jim and Rio make it to the bottom of the building that is maybe an airport, and uh, they rush into a cab which has the best cabbie. The show has the best one-off side characters. They are always, like, consistently the best character in every episode. The cabbie is just, like, this red-headed white woman, which is a little weird to begin with, but she's, like, doing the worst Brooklyn accent. She's like, Mister, you want fast? You got it! That was really bad, but that wasn't much better than hers. So, like, on their way to the airport, the cabbie exposits and fills them in on this little Eric Raymond thing. It makes Rio so mad, he smacks his fist into his palm. So, meanwhile, at the theater, the misfits are performing Making Mischief. Bob loves it. He thinks it's the greatest thing. It's perfect. But he has one more group. And they're like, well, they're not here. And then they are. It's the holograms. The holograms are like, sorry, we're late. And the misfits are like, well, we weren't. Jem was in the cab. Jerrica is now here. It makes sense if Jem is going to get mobbed by reporters that she would just go everywhere as Jerrica. But where did she change? Rio was with her the whole time. If Rio was there the whole time, how was he not surprised that Jerrica is suddenly here? Jerrica didn't fly out with them. She did. Was she waiting for them in the theater? Did they switch for some reason and then have to magically switch back a couple minutes later? Because Eric Raymond's like, where's Jem? And they're like, oh, she's in the back uh, getting changed. Jerrica, you've got to come up with better excuses. You've been doing this for 16 episodes. He's like, uh, I forgot. I didn't think anyone would ask where my lead singer is. So now we get a whole sequence that I wrote down in my notes entitled Stages Do Not Work This Way. So Jerrica runs backstage. Roxy, who I swear to God, she comes up with plans like three or four times in this episode. And I swear every time she's half a second away from saying, let's kill them. Roxy's like, I've got an idea. And she runs off. And I'm thinking to myself that she must have followed this up with, I'll kill her. Roxy decides that they can't audition if they can't be heard or something like that. Yeah. And I guess she goes to turn their mics down. She went into what looks like a booth overhanging like a completely empty side room backstage there's a booth backstage in like what looks like one of the recording studio sets like you're right it's like a side room there's exit doors but anyway roxy's up there fiddling with dials and she sees jerica wandering out into the room the middle of the room and roxy's watching and jerica's about to transform into gem right in front of roxy and that's our commercial break Mentomori, Jim may be found out and her career ruined. And that's our commercial break. And then we come back and right as Jerrica's about to transform, Roxy gets bored. Yeah, she just wanders off. Yeah, she's like, I don't I don't care about Jerrica. I care about Jem. And she turns around just as Jerrica transforms into Jem. And I was like, really, Roxy? Really? And then she starts just sort of hammering random buttons down on this console that I can't tell for the life of me what this console's supposed to be or control. But it creates this god-awful shrieking noise. And like, seizure lights. So apparently this thing controls the lighting array backstage, which begs the question, what does the booth at the back of this theater do? Jem runs up to the sound booth because Roxy has no idea what she's doing. Uh, Roxy runs away. Jem tries to turn off the noise. Roxy blames her. And Jem's like, Bob, you gotta believe me. I didn't do it. And he's like, yeah, all right. They don't call me big hearted Bob for nothing. Tension point successfully pushed aside. And then it's time for the holograms audition. Which is weird because Bob is then like, go ahead, Jem, set up your instruments. And I'm thinking to myself, do what now? They didn't bring instruments. No, no, they brought one instrument because when they're running in saying, sorry, we're late, Aja's carrying her guitar and just haphazardly running with it. Aja's the only one who remembered to bring her instrument. 
So our instruments just sort of happen like they always do, and then we have the dippiest gem song. It's called Can't Get My Love Together. Which involves uh, Rio running around New York in a trench coat. Yeah, Rio being stalked by a giant floating gem head around New York. Most notable about this video for me was that Stormer actually does cry. Yeah, everybody cries in this. The video is so intent on telling us that this is sad. Gem cries sparkle tears. The best thing, honestly, to me about this video is that at one point it focuses over on Eric, who's watching everybody else cry, and he makes the best Skeletor face. Bob decides that he's going to, he can't decide between the holograms and the misfits. So he says that he's going to announce the winner on Lindsay Pierce's show tonight, because think of the publicity. Yeah, why did Lindsay agree to this? The last time the misfits and the holograms were in her studio together, it burned down. So Bob announces the winners of the contest, and it's the holograms. So Pizzazz reacts in the most Pizzazz way possible. Uh, by promptly going and grabbing a fire hose uh, and cranking it on and just letting it run free. What I love about this is that there's a camera on her. The cameraman just watches this happen. But I, I don't know who thought inviting the misfits onto stage to tell them they lost was a good idea. Especially if the holograms are there too. This is a liability. Jem actually manages to go over and turn off the water with Bob is hosed into submission. And like, they slap his toupee back on his head. And Bob's like, well, okay, so the misfits are, are now your understudies. Three understudies for four people? Oh yeah, no, no, this doesn't, this entire show, it never treats understudies as, as exactly how this whole thing should work. This is something where they seem to assume that understudies means that you completely restructure the entire show. The misfits, if they go on, they wouldn't perform a hologram song, they perform a misfit song, which require completely different choreography. Bob directly says, if anything happens to Gem and the holograms, you become the stars. Bob. Bob, that is the worst thing you could possibly say. Lindsay is just in the background, says nothing, watches this happen. She doesn't even think to warn him, like, maybe don't. Look, she just wants the show to be over so she can go dry off. I can't tell if Gem and the Holograms and the Misfits rivalry is, like, the worst or the best thing to happen to her show. Because there is always news to report on with these yahoos. I've got another question here. In the past, when they've gone on Lindsay's show, it's implied that they just basically go down the block to the studio. Here, they're in New York, and it's again implied that they just go down the block to the studio. Where does Lindsay's show shoot? Is Lindsay also a Time Lord? Lindsay's studio is her TARDIS. Oh my god. So, back of the theater. Random bozos are apparently able to just parade into this building. And there's a guy who actually hands Jem a check for, quote, a zillion dollars. It actually says one zillion dollars on the check. And it has a clown on it. Yeah, in exchange for her real name. And then, oh, geez. Oh, oh, oh God. God. Oh, oh, here we go. We have the worst Romany stereotype that you can think of. She's like, look into my crystal ball and you will fall asleep and then tell me your real name. And it's like, what did the animators think a crystal ball looks like? Because it's like, it looks like one of those plasma balls that you find at the sharper image, but turned off. It's got the little like ball in the center of it. I don't know. And then she sort of starts to fall asleep. It's like, did you fall asleep yet? Jem's like, I don't even need to take a nap. And then she's just sort of shoved away. And I was like, oh, thank God that did not go on any longer. Yeah, that was a really uncomfortable 30 seconds. Yeah, it was. So Bob wants the riffraff cleared out and blames Jem for these, like, racist weirdos coming into his theater. Yeah, when it's kind of your fault, Bob. And he's like, we've got a lot of work to do. And Jem's like, and we've got thinking to do. So let's get out of here and think. What was that transition? I don't know. We're suddenly in a hotel room. 
I believe that they're supposed to be at the Waldorf, or is that the Astoria? I, I think that's the Waldorf. Yeah, the Waldorf, one of the richest and most expensive hotels in New York City, the one that is right on Central Park, the one that, that Waldorf of Statler and Waldorf of the Muppets is named after. And in this hotel room, uh, they summon Synergy to talk to her about this whole fiasco with Jerrica, Jim, etc., etc. And Synergy just, instead of like giving them anything, any useful advice, she just sort of says like, so by the way, here's the reason you can't tell anyone I am, who I am or what's going on here. Because in evil hands. In the wrong hands, my holograms could be used for evil. Used for nefarious purposes, maybe. I could take that. Used for selfish reasons. But evil. Evil! Specifically evil. And not even just like, my lasers could be used for evil. People could use her holograms to pretend to be other people and seduce their boyfriend. I think this might actually be Synergy's first in-person appearance since the first episode. I think so, yeah. I think it's been 16 episodes and we haven't seen Synergy in the last like 10. Yeah, we've only seen her on screen, not as like a projected hologram. So Aj is like, well, that was completely pointless. Why don't we just practice our music? Jerrica goes to get said music. And finds Rio stalking her. We get this scene where Rio walks into, I think it's supposed to be Jem's hotel room, and then he just kind of opens a drawer, and then he stares into a mirror, and he looks like he's about to fight the other Rio, like you get when a bird sees himself in a mirror. A male in Jem's room? Are you here to talk to my girlfriend? So Jericho walks in, sees this, and immediately assumes that he's looking for information about Jem, which- She's not wrong. She gets really mad, and she's like, and I thought I love- Get out! You have been dating forever. What do you mean you thought? I am extremely happy that Rio has been told to get out. It doesn't last, but I'm still very, very happy. It was it was it was a lovely moment. Rio just leaves. She kicks him out and it's great. So back at the theater, both Jem and Jerrica are missing because Jerrica, I guess, has gone out on a on a little like cry walk. But the misfits are here and Rio's like, it's all my fault. And now I've lost them both. Rio, are you this open about the fact that you may be dating two girls? Really? You just talk about it all the time to anyone who'll listen? And you're not poly? It's not like this is a polyamorous thing. He's he's just a jerk. Anyway, Rio decides he's going to go look for uh, Jerrica and Jem. And the holograms are like, we'll come too. That's when we find out when the show opens tonight. And eight. He needs them there by eight, and the show opens tonight? If the show opens tonight, you are there by, like, 11. 11 a.m. And you do not leave until after the show is over. You don't leave until, like, midnight. So it's fine. It's fine. They leave. They leave. The show opens tonight. They leave. They go to Central Park. They find Jerrica almost immediately, despite the fact that Central Park's huge. Rio finds her at the zoo. So he grabs her and he's like, I'm so sorry, Jerrica. I guess I guess I was wrong. The only thing that makes sense, though, is, are you Jim? I think the exact line is, why won't you tell me about Jim? It makes no sense unless you and Jim are the same person. Yeah, he, he immediately jumps to the proper conclusion. He's like, well, I guess you must be the same person. Otherwise, you being mad would be completely ridiculous. But that's where we get our commercial, which is we've had two commercial breaks with no, like, ridiculous life-threatening danger. Yeah, they're just, like, dramatic tension points. Are we watching the right show? Marv, when we talk about raising the stakes, what we mean is people need to almost die. Dramatic tension doesn't sell dolls, Marv. Why don't you go write Starfire talking some more about how much she loves dick? Jerrica turns away while, while Rio is clutching her and is like, Synergy, I need help. And cue Jim appearing in the middle of nowhere. And people are like, oh my gosh, it's Jim. The middle of a field. She makes a hologram in the middle of a public 
area, a field, this big shimmery hologram. Ryo can look over her shoulder and see this. I'm, I'm surprised Ryo can't hear her mutter, Synergy, I need help. He's literally pressing against her right now. But Jem appears and is promptly chased off by everyone in the zoo. And Ryo's like, oh, well, there goes Jem. Jerrica is basically gaslighting Ryo right now. Rio apologizes, and then later on, Roxy and Pizzazz hatch this plan. I mean, Roxy, again, she's like, wait a minute, Jem cares about Rio, doesn't she? And I swear to God, I just wait for the next word to be out of her mouth. It's like, let's kill Rio. No, instead, Pizzazz is like, start typing, Stormer. Stormer's sitting in front of a typewriter with no paper in it. And instead of saying like, but I don't have anything to type on, she's like, what? What do you want me to type? And so without having any paper, they create this letter that is Rio apologizing to Jem for something unspecified, which they don't know about this blow up, but it's a pretty good bet that Rio has screwed up somehow. What's really weird about this is that Jerrica gets the letter and, and the letter tells Jem to meet Rio at the top of the Statue of Liberty. And it ends with, I love you. And Jerrica isn't annoyed that Rio is theoretically writing love letters to other women, even if the other woman is her. Especially after she stumbled on saying, I love you to him. The letter says that Jem is to meet Rio at, at the crown of the Statue of Liberty at 5 p.m. At the zoo, let's say the zoo was maybe like noon, two. She waits there, it's five, Rio is apparently late, the last fairy is leaving, and Pizzazz, because no one else is in this entire observatory, which apparently only has one door, she closes it, locks the door, and there's no guard up there, there's no security, there's no one. There's no final suite. A guard just asks Pizzazz, a random passerby, if anybody is up in the crown, to say nothing of the rest of the statue. And she's like, nope. Everybody's gone, and he takes her word for it, and they leave. Jem is locked up there. The last fairy is leaving. She throws her earring out of the window. I I've never actually been up in the Statue of Liberty's crown. I, I can't say for sure, but knowing other observatories, I think it's pretty likely that there is glass in there. Yeah, there's like five inches of glass right there. And also the Ghostbusters? Also the Ghostbusters, yes. But yeah, Jem hucks an earring through the window to get the attention of some workers who are hanging around and just about to leave, and they have a boat. And she basically uses the gem hologram to lure them up to the locked door and unlock it. She never actually gets that earring back, but it just sort of shows up. So the thugs agree to take her back to the mainland in exchange for her identity. And she's like, fine. And in 30 seconds time, the guy with like the jerry curl shoves out the bald guy. And uh, as they're getting off, he's like, okay, reveal your real face to me. And, and Jim goes, okay, and peels off her face to reveal his face. Oh my god, it's the best thing. It's the best hologram. He instantly believes it. He instantly believes that she is him. Jim even like says like, what are you gonna do with the money? In his voice. And he's like, it's me. He has an existential crisis that dumps him right off of the dock. This guy is like, either he has such a tenuous grasp on reality or he is doing so many drugs right now. And then because the episode is almost over, Marv Wolfman realizes just how far he has to get Jem in the next like two minutes. The most incredible sequence happens. Best cab driver ever is back. Who is apparently just hanging out at the docks. You want fast, you got it. And she drives down the middle of the road. She's stopped by a, like, Chinese New Year's parade. And she says this in the best way possible, because she stops, and Jim's like, what are we going to do? And she's like, well, it's a parade. That's it. We're stuck. Jim, Marty McFly's a skateboard. She gets a skateboard from some kids, and she skateboards 
down into a subway station, ollies over the turnstile, and goes into a subway train. And then from the subway train, she runs up some stairs into a hang gliding convention. And steals a pride hang glider. We have a quick intercut to the theater where where Bob is like, it is one minute to the show. And then if she's not here in one minute, it's a misfit show. And then we cut back to the hang gliding convention. And she grabs the hang glider and they're like, do you know how to use this? And she goes, I'm going to find out. And leaps from the top of the building holding the hang glider. She hang glides over Manhattan to what we can probably assume is like 42nd and Broadway. Well, she's officially late, and is it Kimber or Aja who points up at her? One of them points up to a skylight, which is in the backstage of a theater, and says, look, there's Jem. I have expected Jem to come crashing through the skylight like Batman. Oh my god, right? But instead, something even sillier happens. Nobody is surprised that she's hang gliding. The sticking point here is whether or not she'll be in costume by the time she lands. And she walks in in costume and the misfits are like, how in the world did she do that? Not why did she just hang glide onto the top of the building, but how did she get in costume? This is maybe the best thing that I've ever seen as like a way to get a character from point A to point B really, really fast. And then we get our third music video, which is Broadway Magic. There's a lot of animation budget used on this video, though. Yeah, she does some weird little dancing. There's lots of jazz hands. There's, like, women in Zatanna costumes. Near as we can tell, the show consists entirely of dancing women in Zatanna costumes and the holograms playing a single song. And doing, like, a little bit of the Charleston. And the weird thing is that this this Broadway song seems to be part of, like, sort of the, the vaudeville tradition. Instead of what we have in the late 80s, which is the very story-based Broadway show. Past the point of no return. I will kill you. I know where you live. I can get there in 10 minutes. None of your roommates would convict me. That's true, they wouldn't. After Curtain on the show that consists of one song, Bob's like, they're still applauding. It has been zero seconds since the end of the show. Of course, they're still applauding. They're also probably applauding because they think this is like the overture. What happened? Bob said originally that this was three acts. Where's the other two acts? Where's the first act? So we're at somebody's mansion for an after party. Rio and Jerrica are dancing and Rio's like, it doesn't matter who Jem is, then they smooch. Meanwhile, Lindsay's like, where the heck is Jem? And Jerrica goes, I'll be right back. I have to go get Jem for Lindsay. And Rio's like, if I have to, I'll wait forever. Rio! We were talking about how this isn't Andrew Lloyd Webber. Lindsay finally asked the burning question, so what's the big secret? Why the secret? And Jem delivers this, like, very political speech that completely sidesteps the question. She's like, I don't know, I like privacy or something. What matters more, she asks the audience, my name or the songs I sing? And the audience screams back, your songs! Though I'm pretty sure what they should have screamed was $100,000! But yeah, the entirety of humanity walks back on this whole let's find out who Jim is thing. And that would be our episode. Except it's time, you guys. We finally reached the point in Jim and the Holograms where the superstar PSA start. You too can be a superstar. I have to imagine that this is something that was either like network mandated or something that Christy Marks, a writer of G.I. Joe, was very familiar with. Because these are the superstar PSAs. There's only like eight of them. You can find them all in a YouTube video somewhere. We've linked to it a couple of times. But it's all like kids doing things like not getting into a stranger's car. And then a glam rocker shows up and tells them they did good. 
just out of nowhere, a glam rocker is here to congratulate you on your good decisions. So here's our scenario this time. There's a white kid who just spray-painted Puppet on the side of a wall. And he tries to get a Hispanic kid to spray paint too by using peer pressure and then calling him a sissy. So like, first off, he's like, it's probably fine. I'm fine. I, they, they, they just slapped me on the wrist. It's probably fine. Also, I'm going to insult your masculinity. Let's bring gender-charged insults into this. And the Hispanic kid's like, I really don't have to prove anything to you. And to congratulate him, Jem shows up. Out of nowhere, she's just there. Synergy, who is observing everything in the city, comes to tell Jerrica there's a crime about to happen. I'm off. Jem is like, yeah, be an individual. Don't give in to peer pressure. And the black kids are like, yeah, the white kid's really dumb. Let's go get ice cream. And the white kid's like, I want ice cream. And that makes you a superstar. I still have a hard time believing this thing actually happened. I watched this episode quite late at night. A part of me thought I dreamed it. That about wraps it up for here. Uh, we are the Gem Jam, of course. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and YouTube. We are a Patreon-supported podcast. If you like what we do, go drop us a couple of bucks. Would be super great. If not, uh, we always love to hear from you. You can join us here every Sunday. We will see you next Sunday. And until then, I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mech. And this has been the Gem Jam, where sometimes you have to be cruel to be outrageous.